Hello everybody! This is Katie and George read a book. I'm Katie. This is George. Hello! I'm finally back. And today we are going to read you a story that we think is important uh, to read, um, especially this day and age. Um, we're going to read you a wonderful story about a little girl named Connie uh, who wanted to just sit and have an ice cream sundae uh, at down at the, the Woolworths lunch counter back in the 1960s uh, down in Greensboro, North Carolina. And... Uh, just a great book and we hope banana it helps float. she not wanted sunday. you're right she wanted a banana float not a sunday sorry <laughs> clearly we know our book so we're gonna read you a little story about eight-year-old connie and uh some pretty big things that happened in our country uh in 1960 all right so george let's uh let you take it away freedom on the menu the greensboro sins by carol Carol Boston, Weatherford. Just about every week, Ma and I, went, I and I went shopping downtown. I loved having her all to myself for the afternoon. Whenever it was hot or we got tired, we'd head over to the snack bar in Five and Dime Store. We stand as we sipped our cooks because we weren't allowed to sit at the lunch counter. Once, I watched a girl swivel a stool as she spooned a banana split. In the empty seat beside her was a purse almost exactly like mine. Can I have a banana split? I begged Mama. Oh, not here, Connie. I'll fix you one at home, said Mama. But it won't be the same, I grumbled. All over town, signs told Mama and me where we could go and where we couldn't. Signs on the water fountains, swimming pools, movie theaters, even the bathrooms. Everybody I knew obeyed the signs, except my great Aunt Gertie from New York. Once, when she visited us, she drank from a whites-only fountain. And she said real loud, I've never heard of colored water. Have you, Connie? Then she lifted me up so I could take a sip. I looked up from the fountain. Y'all better know that better than that. A man, man scolded. I started to say, S Sorry, mister. But Aunt Gertie just huffed. I'm too silly for rules like that. It was real. It was a real hot day, but then a man, then the man, walked away without taking a drink. There weren't any signs up at the five and dime, but we still knew how it was. Most people didn't accept change anytime soon, but my daddy thought different. Dr. King's coming to town, he told us one morning. Who's sick, I asked. He's not that kind of doctor, Connie. Daddy laughed. He's a minister who's working to make things better for us, said Daddy. So we can go anywhere we please, said Mama. Like the lunch counter, I asked. Yep, and other places too. 
Later that week, our whole family went to hear Dr. King preach at the college chapel. I didn't really understand all of his speech, but I liked his booming voice. It sounded as if he believed in God was on our side. Every few minutes, Mama said, Amen. And when Dr. King sat down, everyone stood up and clapped for a really long time. Soon after that, my brother and sister joined the National Association for the Advancement for the Advancement of Colored People. Everyone called it the NAACP. They let me tag along as they went to door to door to help to helping people to sign up for the vote. I've never voted in my life," said a white-haired lady, leaning on a cane. "Will I, will I get to vote for the president?" "Yes, ma'am," I said. "My brother wants to be president when he's all grown." "Tell him he's got my vote." She chuckled. "And to hold on to those big dreams." She said, handing her me a、uh, her vote registration form. Yes, ma'am. I'll tell him. I promised, thinking about my own dreams too. Times are changing, she said, waving as I left. Then one day, Mama and I went shopping downtown. We stopped at the snack bar, just like always. I tugged at Mama's sleeve. <gasps> look over there! Look at the lunch counter. We know those boys. There sat four brothers, friends from A and T College. Do they know that they're in the wrong place? I whispered to Mama. Some rules have to be broken, said Mama. I heard one of them order coffee and donut, please. I'm sorry, we don't serve your kind," said the blonde waitress, wringing her hands. The boys didn't budge. "Don't y'all understand English?" a kitchen worker said. "Go on over to the snack bar. Stop making trouble here." The manager tapped his foot and jutted out his chin. "They can't sit here forever, for all I care," he said, storming out of the store. An old lady came up to the boys. I am so proud of you, she said, clear as a bell, so everyone could hear. I wish someone had done this sooner. The waitress kept wiping and re-wiping the counter and relief, refilling salt. The manager came back, the tall policeman. Let's go, Connie," said Mama. Manager shooted us right out of the store, and then put a closed sign in the window. I couldn't wait to tell brother. Why'd your friends do that? I asked brother. If we can spend some money at a store, said brother, it's only fair that we should be able to eat at the store's lunch counter. I guess so," 
Do you think it's going to work? Sometimes it's important just to try, said Daddy, rubbing his chin. The next day, Daddy showed me the newspaper. The headline said, Negro students stand up by sitting down. They sat for four hours, said Daddy, peering over the newspaper. I'd be too hungry to wait that long, I said. Connie, they didn't really want food, said Daddy. They wanted to be able to get it same as if they were white, to be treated fairly. By Friday, we heard on the news how hundreds more had joined the sit-ins. The protests are growing, I told Danny. I'm joining the sit-ins, brother said, bursting into the room. I'm going to pick it downtown, said the sister, tomorrow. Oh, I want to go too. I'm plenty big enough to hold signs and I really, I know how to, to, to sit. It's good that you want to help, said Daddy. But Connie, you're too young for these things. I never get to do anything important. You can help us by making picket signs, and that is really important. The next morning, I handed Sister my little flat flag for her to carry. We'll tell you everything when we get home, Brother promised. Turns out, I saw the protests on TV. Hundreds of people walked up and down the sidewalks in front of the stores, restaurants, and movie theaters. I saw my sister carrying picket signs, and there was the back of my brother's head at the lunch counter. My own brother! I'm just so proud of them, said Daddy. Me too, I said. I just pray that there's no trouble, said Mama. After a while, I watched the news on TV almost as much as Mama and Daddy. One night, I saw a report about the sit-ins. That doesn't look like downtown, I said. Connie, the sit-ins have spread all over the south, said Daddy. Just then, the phone rang. I answered it. Daddy, it's Sister. She's gotten arrested at the lunch counter, and she's in jail. Sister, who always got A's in school, who hardly ever got in trouble, who was what Mama called mule stubborn. Daddy raced to the police station, but Sister wouldn't. But Sister wouldn't let him go. Get her out of jail. He told me how the students keep. Chanting, jail not bail, jail not bail. We just can't leave her with all those bad guys, I pleaded. She's made up her mind, Connie, said Mama, wiping away a tear. She wants to stay with the other students. In a few days, Sister came home. Promise me. Promise me you'll stop picketing, I begged. I can't do that, she said, hugging me tight. Now instead of shopping downtown, we had the order from Steers Catalog. Mama and I leafed through the big fat 
thick catalog together, and she even let me pick things out. We both knew it. It wasn't the same. How long before the sit-ins are over, Mama? Till folks get what they want, said Mama. That summer, Mama and Dad, Daddy and I finally went downtown when we passed Woolworths and I heard someone shout, They're, They're serving, serving them! Daddy stopped so fast that the brakes screeched and Mama and I jolted forward. We parked and ran into the lunch counter. There sat the woman who in the restaurant kitchen, they were all dressed up fancy and eating salad. I can't even stand the smell of egg salad, but I stood and watched them eat every bite. Looks pretty good, I said. Daddy and I shared big grins. The next day, brother, sister, and I made a special trip downtown. Brother wore a suit and tie. The girls wore hats and white gloves at the lunch counter. I climbed up on a stool next to them. We all have three hot dogs, three french fries, two coffees, one Coke, and one banana split, please. I told that blonde-haired waitress, sister, and brother slipped a slipped coffee, and I twisted on my stool while we waited for our meals. Our food soon arrived. As I ate, the waitress plopped an extra cherry on a mount of whipped cream. She still looked nervous, but she, but she gave a smile at me. It was the best banana split I've ever had. The end. I hope you all enjoyed our story about uh, Connie and finding out um, a little bit um, about how powerful protests can be when they're done correctly and uh, the power of a banana split. <laughs> That's all from us here. Always got a good joke. <laughs> Goodbye, George. Bye, Katie. See ya.